and welcome to this month in motorsport april edition 2023 i'm sean smith and i'm joined by alistair walker good evening and sam green good morning it's it's uh, yeah it's afternoon anyway um so chaffees here we go another month we're a third of the way through the year there's been racing happening and we're gonna talk about it pretty much we certainly are if no one's ever listened to this before that's the deal. Get over it. There we go. Strict time limit, though. Oh, ah, yes. Was yes. it waffling on like we did last month? Uh, well, yeah, that was entirely... Our own fault. Yeah, well, it's an interesting interesting topic, so I'll let it go. Um, but this time, I'm going to pretend it's not an interesting topic. Topic number one, the World Endurance Championship again, but this time at the Circuit of the Algarve. Right then. Round two of the 2023 WEC. Toyota well out in front after the first race. The question is, can a much more traditional circuit play more into their rivals' hands and get them closer to the front? The answer was... Not particularly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, the six hours of Portimao. Uh, It was a good race, I thought. Um, But uh, yes, long story short was that Toyota were pretty much untouchable all the way through. They were very quick, right from the word go, really, weren't they? Hmm. Um, it does show that, I think, as we said on our group chat, it shows how much work everybody else has got to do to catch them up. Um, and I think it is the right way around that um, they shouldn't slow Toyota down just because they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're doing well through hard work, so they should be rewarded for that. I was actually reading something interesting a while back about the WEC's BOP process. They don't do it the same way that, say, like GT3 or TCR do. GT3 or TCR try and balance the the actual on-track performance of the cars Mm. due basically to a bunch of factors to do with homologation and monitoring. The WEC are trying to balance the potential potential yeah. of the cars. It's a formula right. rather rather than a um a test. Fair yeah, enough. so it's why they have things like torque measurement during the race. It's why they've got such an in-depth homologation process which includes mandatory wind tunnel testing, not just for the aero development, but so the WEC actually know hmm. how your car's aero is performing. Yeah, that's so, independent yeah. testing. Yeah, what we're seeing is Toyota very much knowing their car and everyone else still learning their cars. Yes, I think that's probably the right way to think of it, is that that GRO10 is actually quite a well-developed car yet, whereas the rest of these, with the exception of maybe the Glickenhaus and the Toyota... Oh no, Glickenhaus are still learning their car more than um, Baikals or Porsche. Well, no, that's true. I mean, if you Um, don't do any testing, you learn a lot about your car at race meetings that's true that's a good point <laughs> not not that the bike has ever did that methodology for the last seven years with your car but the, what i was trying to hint at is that the rest of these cars are brand new this season so they will be in a learning phase whereas the slightly more um what's the right phrase tested. In them? Race yeah tested. um race tested let's go with that glickenhaus and peugeot right. to a certain extent with half a season's experience you would expect to be more established, but let's talk about Peugeot. Um, I was actually more, what's the word, put at ease maybe about the Peugeot. 
at least after qualifying. And then um, they weren't. I remember they it didn't... being particularly impressive in qualifying. Yeah, but it's more that they're now in this track. They were sort of in the realm rather than being nowhere. But Which... like we said, True, the one of the cars really. didn't break down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say that. So you can say that's about the um, the Toyota as well. Yeah, the, Equally um... true, although I would defend Toyota as on their car it was an FIA mandated sensor broke. Hmm. On Peugeot's it was the steering. Ah, that's French steering, isn't it? You know, it's just uh, it is Sunday. I do not want to do this for. Oh, it went on strike. Yes. Apologies uh, to any French listeners. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we don't really get any, so it's okay. Unless we count Monty. Well, uh, nearly. Yeah. Um, I mean, half counter. <laughs> um, no, I, I was much more confident that Peugeot. After the first race, I was thinking, how long until the Stellantis, Fiat, Peugeot, Ferrari family start thinking, do we need both both of these? And mm. I, I know it's less than a year since that, that car came out, but it's still to have Ferrari with their hypercar be instantly quite a lot faster and debatably more reliable from the off. Um, it is a more conventional car, the Ferrari, though, isn't it? Like we yes. said before, the Peugeot's a very out-there concept, and Sebring would have been probably the worst circuit. Oh, no, no. I, I completely agree. Uh, that's why, when seeing it around the Algarve, sure, it's still not there, um, but it didn't It didn't look completely out of out of the water. No, and I'm mm. hoping it does still improve. What I don't want to see is another somewhat out there car that just disappears. Although they've stuck at it for longer than some of the other previous out there prototype entries. Hmm. Um, I suppose we got Spa this weekend at the time of recording, which is going to be. I, th I think that will be a much more telling experience for the cars um, heading to, to Le Mans than Portimao was. Because uh, Portimao well, was certainly, yeah, it's... certainly for Le Mans sort of spec. This yeah. is about as close as you're going to get, really, isn't it? Before Le Mans, yeah. I mean, Portimao, we've seen the LMP2s manage to mix up with Glickenhausen by Collez, which, for all intents and purposes, run similar level machinery, uh, being non hybrid, uh, just a bit, yeah. more, bit more power. But, um, I mean, I think there was a point at Portimao where the Glickenhaus was actively holding up a P2. Oh, Bicolas did it all the way through the race <laughs> until until the end. <laughs> until the brakes broke. Yes, well, that we'll get to that in a moment. But um, it's I think that Spa being just a much, much faster circuit, everyone, if they're not already, is going to be bringing their Le Mans spec packages. Yeah. Um, I think it will be to... a bigger delta. And to Sam's point about new cars, we're going to have a very new car at um, Spa this weekend. The Jota Porsche. Yes. Which has travelled directly from the factory to the circuit. It has not actually gone to Jota's workshops yet. Is the car made in Germany or America? Germany. Okay. I just wondered because obviously Porsche could if they wanted to for for what is a, essentially an American car in terms of the race spec it's designed for. Could have been made over there. Yeah, yeah. no, I think the the majority of their stuff is still. Which I chassis do they have? Uh, they... Delara, isn't it? No, they don't no. have Delara. They're Delara Martin is Cadillac. that's yeah. it. Multimatic. Yeah, Cadillac Delara is Cadillac and BMW. Yeah, we're a Multimatic based, Ontario. So, 
who knows i suppose i suppose the as it's the way with motorsport these days it's a global thing which all comes together in yeah. the end exactly yeah um how do we reckon they're going to do? Because they're quite a well-established P2 team, but they have run P1 cars before. Well, Al, I they know, are I, I going know to struggle at Spa. I think it's going to be a tough step up, isn't it? But but you've got to do it at some point, really. Let's well, face it, so. not even. I don't think they're going to struggle at Spa for that reason. They're going to struggle at Spa because they'll have had the car for three days. <laughs> if they're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. All of those um, little teething I... problems that come out with a new car have got to come out on a race weekend rather than in a, in a private test. Yeah, I think Jota will get there fairly quickly. I would ex I would hope and slightly expect to see Jota mixing it up with Penske towards the end of the season. Yeah, I'd say so. I think at the very least looking... splitting the Penske cars. Yeah. Good looking I... livery as well, isn't it? It looked like a shake's toilet. <laughs> oh, I really like that. I, I think that Jota are of the current LMP2 teams, maybe one of the better ones to um, take this on early. I mean, to be fair, probably the top four LMP2 teams from last year, I mean, half of them are, and most of them are more than capable of running well. I think these teams are very experienced teams where everyone's running Oricas. Hmm. There's so little that you can do car-wise to differentiate between them. Your whole organisation, your race engineers, your drivers, I think, are very battle-hardened. Yeah. Potentially more so than some of the others. That's what we've got. Some of the teams that We've only got a couple of seconds left. Um, yeah, I can agree <clears> with uh, LMP2s. Obviously, uh, they all will be coming to top class sooner rather than later. So, you can just run down and, the finishing order of the race seeing as we run out of time. Yeah, sure. So, it is Toyota, uh, a lap ahead of Ferrari and Porsche, another lap ahead of Cadillac, Peugeot, the next Ferrari, Peugeot, Glickenhaus, the recovering Toyota, and then the top LMP2 of United Autosports. In GT, the winners were Corvette Racing, who did they win the first race? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, so. they did. They managed to do a 1 2, fighting on the very last lap for this victory. Yes, it was much... very close, wasn't it? Really close. We're just going to say, say again to uh, the amateurs, Ben Keating and um, Sarah Brovi again. Fantastic efforts from them in the qualifying, and hopefully it will continue for the season. Ovi's on fire in quali, and she's doing a really, really good job. Yes, and uh, Baikole is also on We're fire. We're just on for, fire. Yes, for, for the, <laughs> just for spectacle points. I think they've uh, they've done well there with a, a brake explosion. All right, there, uh, Liberty Media. <laughs> Moving on. Um, topic number two: Samantha, what have we got? Um, the British Touring Car Championship oh, has started. You want to go into something with which is spectacular and uh, with some fires? Sure, we'll go, yes. we'll go with that. Start the clock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, BTCC started last weekend at a very, very soggy Donington Park. Um, three races, uh, as is the tradition now. So uh, it was Daniel Rowbottom who managed to get on pole position for race one. Um, and... Let me just open up his results because I can't remember who's driving for this year because he was with Team Dynamics, but they have left. Why is uh, that? So he, 
Uh, I don't really know. I'll be totally honest. Team Dynamics are having a year out. It's a, a... a temporary hiatus, I believe, because relatively late in the game, Halfords pulled their money from sponsoring them. Uh, oh, really? That That's That's a... a shame, because they're a very well-established, successful team, generally, as well, let's face it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think their issue was kind of that Halfords pulled out close enough to the start of the season that they didn't really have time to canvas for sponsorship. So that's, that's fair. That's, that's understandable. Anyway, yes, He's moved to Napa Racing, who is sort of an equivalent of Halfords, really, in the Ford Focus. Um, so he's running that alongside um, Ash Sutton, one of his teammates. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a good one, uh, really. As a wet track always makes things interesting. Um, race one, it was Dan Kamish who won, um, and he had the fastest lap. Uh, and he's also in a Napa Ford, so Boo. doing all right there. Um, then it was in race two, Tom Ingram, current champion, took the race win. Um, oh, sorry, fastest lap, sorry. Tom Chilton won that race, race two. Wasn't that the first win for like four years or something? This is, yeah, he hasn't won in a, quite a while. Um, I mean, it's and then, fairly hard to win a BTCC oh, race. Yeah. These oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They do kind of throw... Field. Yeah, it's a strong field, and they, they tend to throw everything at you to make you not win. <laughs> um, so the faster drivers in race two and three are further down the field as well, so they've got to do some overtaking. And on a wet track, um, that is tricky. It just is difficult. Um, Jake Hill was the winner in race three, um, and he is still in the BMW... Uh, yes, yes. Oh, still in the BM. The increasingly ugly BMWs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although they actually the British touring car, I don't think looks too bad because it's got the normal grill on it. So that's I was about to ask that. Have they got the big it grills? It does. Yet? It still looks a little bit fat. Yeah, a little bit. Um, although Dan Camish had the fast uh, won that race. Jake Hill was the fastest lap. Uh, so yeah, and then we had uh, in race three winning uh, the. Stelvio affiliated driver in loosest sense of the term Bobby Thompson um, who got us into Brands Hatch at the end of last year um, or his manager did anyway um, so yeah he won the independent in race three we also had uh, a career best result for Nick Hamilton in in uh, race two and he did very well in race three as well um, I think he was P6 which is his best result ever um, with a canny bit of pit strategy, which doesn't often come in in British Touring Car, but because of when the rain came in, um, a lot of drivers tried to risk it and stay on slicks. Nick pitted early for wet tyres, which then basically that came to him, uh, and he did very, very well. Um, and actually had some support from his brother as well at this race. Uh, Lewis went along incognito didn't tell anyone he was going and wore a face mask all day so no one knew it was him. Um, but, uh, yeah, went to support his brother, which was nice. Um, but, yeah, British Touring Car is always interesting, isn't it? I mean, we had um, in race one, I think it was Ash Sutton was uh, out of the race by basically turn one, lap one, um, after a go. little tag, yeah, little tag coming up to the first corner, which put him on the grass, which then smashed the radiator to bits. <laughs> um, so that went really well for him but I mean let's face it Ash is always quick he'll come back and he'll be fine 
Thanks, you've got a lot of quick drivers in the championship at the moment. Yeah. You do. Really do. Um, <clears throat> no, I was going to say, obviously, Tom Ingram is still with Toyota, or is he Hyundai? Somewhere else? Who's he with now? I can't remember. Hyundai. Um, he's Hyundai. with Hyundai. Um, he was with them last year, wasn't he? He was, yep. The same team, um, same car. And his teammates this year are Tom Shilton, Ronan Pearson, and Nick Halstead. Um, but yeah, that Accelerate Hyundai, clearly quite a quick car. Yes, um, obviously it's a decent drive to have in it. Uh, Jake Hill, he did quite well last year, didn't he? He was running right up there, wasn't he? He nearly had the championship. He was. It was kind of between him and Ingram at the latest port point. Um, he's <clears> in the BMW. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got obviously Colin Turkinson still in there as a teammate as well, which is about as experienced as you can get on the grid at the minute. But nowadays, um, yeah, especially with um, Plato and Neil gone. Yeah, um, and the four times champion Turkington, I think. Uh, it's at least three. Yeah, um, but um, but technically, Jake Hill is independent of them because he is in the Laser Tools. Um, Mark Blundell motorsport car rather than the full-on Team BMW car. Cool. Um, yes, it is full, by the way. Yeah, so. I thought it was. <clears throat> um, obviously, we now, after round one, we'll start to see the um, quote-unquote balance of performances with the hybrids take effect. Uh, yeah, there's the a success balance that they put in with the hybrid usage um, of how much you're actually allowed to use throughout the, the rest of the season. Um, so they don't actually weight up the cars like they used to. What they do instead uh, is restrict how much boost you've got. Um, I, I, think, I think it works quite well. I mean, I, I personally quite liked the ballast system, but uh, I know a lot of people didn't, uh, especially with the soft tyres that they used to run back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think this one, it seems to work quite well. The only thing, and I think we said it at the beginning of last, um, or at the end of last season, the only thing that we think would help trackside for the hybrid systems is to make it more visible when they're on the boost hmm. because it's a bit difficult to tell as uh when drivers are actually pressing um but i mean you can just pick that up kind of thing it is one of those things that you get you'll get used to and actually when you're watching it on the tv even without the graphics it's not too bad it's just as cars come past at speed it can be a bit tr tricky yeah i mean really all, all you see from trackside and on tv is just two cars racing wheel to wheel that's all that really matters well yeah that's true that is true uh, also, the, the boost doesn't seem so powerful and even this year it doesn't seem so powerful that um that it's completely like a bit like drs sometimes when you go to some tracks with formula one and the drs is so powerful that it makes overtaking way too easy with the boost either you still gotta get it can't the car alongside and then get the pass done and then use your boost more tactically to maybe power out of the corner or to cut the line off or however it is but um but it definitely seems a, do you think, a good level do you think the side effect of most of the cars being front wheel drive and therefore basically if you over talk one of one of the uh the front axle then it would just spin the wheels yeah i think it probably could be something something along those lines as well i mean you've got a take that into account i guess haven't you and i mean i think the boost only really comes in like it won't engage unless the car 
isn't spinning the wheels, I think, if right. that makes sense. But if they're already getting understeer, they can't just press the button and get a load more boost, um, which I think is probably something to do with trying to uh, limit the benefit maybe to the rear-wheel drive cars. Um, I think there's only one rear-wheel drive car on the grid this year, though. The BM. Which is the BM. Um, yeah, the rest of front-wheel drive. We haven't got those infinities anymore that were rear-wheel drive. Oh, what, they, um, they finally decided to stop those after they are about in, six years after they stopped selling them. Yeah, they have finally got rid of them. Um, and yeah, most of the team hard drivers now are on the Cupra instead. Pity. Um, there we go. Isn't team hard about 30 drivers at this point? Yeah, they've got uh, six. Six drivers. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have been in it to win it, you might as well be in it with lots of drivers, I suppose. Well, yeah. Just increasing your chances, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I may have a slightly different outlook on that. Oh, sorry, Al. How many, how many RC cars did you use to bring to races? <laughs> yes, but it was much the same as Team Hard, where a good half of them were paid drivers funding the fast ones. Yes. Yeah, true. That's yes, true. That's I think a lot of a lot of Team Hard's drivers, because they've got technically they have Team Hard, the proper Team Hard. Then they have Auto Bright, which is um, Bobby Thompson and Dan Lloyd this year, but that is Team Hard. And then you have the Go Fix team as well, which is Nick Hamilton and Jake Patel. Um, with, but they're all running a Cupra and they're all run by Team Hard so realistically that's one team in my books anyway um, yeah. um, let's move on to, you, Sam your time's up mate you need to stop chatting is it? Okay. exactly uh, <laughs> um, right topic number three Mr Walker what do you have for us? Yeah, so back to sports car racing for yeah. six hours we have an hour and 40 minutes oh that's a pretty the... that's the shortest time i've ever heard for a sports car race it is the shortest race on the imsa calendar the imsa grand prix of long beach hmm. i it's... see whenever i hear that there's imsa at long beach my sort of brain explodes a bit like this shouldn't doesn't sound like it should be a thing Thinking don't they of... make it try and make it a bit longer by calling it the hundred minutes or something like that no i don't think they do it, no. no they accept i mean imsa has much like um, GT World Challenge, their Sprint Championship and their Endurance Cup and then their overall. Um, this obviously the first round after two endurances of the um, Sprint side of the series. LMP2 and LMP3 not in action this time. Um, just the GTD cars and GTP. And very close dramatic race starting right from lap one as we had one of the cadillacs bin it on the first corner oh good going yeah yeah and i believe take out the myers shank acura yeah i think he he basically locked it up didn't he coming into turn one and just overshot the corner but took i don't know which yeah, one I... it was but it was one of the act the uh, myers shank acuras out with him yeah, and then Cadillac decided they really didn't want to win the race <laughs> and pitted their driver very early in the race. Basically, one fuel's lot of fuel away from, or just after the minimum drive time for one driver, they pitted and put their next driver in. Yeah. Um, so that kind of took Cadillac out the race, in all honesty. What we ended up with, though, was a very exciting fight with the um, Acura of Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque after very nearly winning um, 
Sebring before binning it. Um, fighting against mostly Porsche, BMW, little bit further back on pace, but they're closing in. Um, <laughs> Porsche pulling a blinder, really, with the strategy. Um, deciding to not change tyres at the pit stop definitely hurt their pace, but the drive of, I think it was Matt Campbell in the um, number seven car fighting with Felipe Albuquerque to try and keep, oh, sorry, it was Ricky Taylor, I think, in the car at that point, to try and keep the Acura behind the the rear of the two Porsches, I think really helped Porsche's chances. And then Porsche were really helped by Ricky Taylor trying to overtake them into turn one and hitting the wall. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Is that a very dramatic finish to the race, honestly? Is um that Porsche's first win for the nine six three? That is Porsche's yes. first win for the nine six three. <clears throat> and a double podium for the nine six threes as the number seven came back home in third. Yeah. Split, I think somewhat unexpectedly by one of the BMWs. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there a late yellow flag as well that, that sort of neutralised it a little bit, but up until that point they had been absolutely tearing. Yeah, so I think the Acura was definitely closing in. The race unfortunately finished under yellows because of Taylor shoving a car into the barriers at turn one, mm. making it very hard to remove. <laughs> We also, though, had quite a close race in GT. GTD Pro was incredibly close between the top three cars that basically spent the entire race glued to each other. Um, I think the winning margin was two seconds, which is not bad for a Grand Prix-type distance race. Are we still, are um, we still of the, um, the impression that GTD Pro and GTD are actually different in, re in reality? They seem to still I mean, be, they're still the same basically in terms of their own results. There was a bit uh, more of a classification of a difference this time, wasn't there? Yeah, they're as different as Pro and Pro Am are in GT World Challenge. Mm. It, yeah, it is just how things work with driver grading when you've got the same specification cars. Sure. I know Heart of Racing have always been good at pulling this one where their GTD classification car can score some incredibly high wins and actually, again, beat their GTD Pro car, which I think had a bit of a struggle at um, Long Beach. GTD, though, an incredibly close finish. Half a second between the BMW of Brian Sellers and Madison Snow and the heart of racing Aston Martin, oh dear, which so. was... Pretty much the BMW managing to jump the Aston in the pits. But that's basically mm. tradition, though, that Aston Martin just falls short, Al, as, as you well know. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I have suffered enough with Aston Martin over the years. I love them, and they continue to disappoint me. <laughs> we need to get, get your shirt for that. We'll get one sign written up. Yeah. I love you, Aston, but you are disappointing. <laughs> um, with GTP... Um, do I forgot what the question was? Um, don't know. Think something else, and I'll remember the question later. Is this the only sports car race that runs on a full street circuit? Can we think of one else? Uh, Macau. There's a GT3 race at Macau, isn't there? 
Um, yeah, I draw a classification between GT and sports car. Okay, think, yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, I think it's the only contemporary one. There was, however, a American Le Mans series race at Adelaide. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just to confuse all of our of, listeners. Of all places. <laughs> yeah, this was the um, 2000 American Le Mans series, which included races like the Nürburgring, Silverstone, yep. and Adelaide on, hmm. I believe, New Year's Eve of 2000. All of America's yeah. favourite highlights. Yes, yeah. all, all of America's most popular circuits. <laughs> oh, and uh, most sport in Canada. Obviously. Uh, I've remember... There were also American tracks on the calendar. I remember the question now. Um, when we watched Daytona, obviously we saw sort of traits between the cars. The Cadillac was sort of... Uh, what's the word? It was um, not the fastest car, but it was much more predictable, much more drivable. The Honda slash Acura was a lot more on edge, but had a bit more top speed. The Porsche was somewhere in the middle. The BMW was slow. Do we see anything yet to make us think differently about those cars? I think BMW seems to be catching up, but yeah, BMW I think it's still more or less as it was. BMW are definitely getting closer to the pack. They're getting the hang of their car. Porsche, I think, are getting the hang of their car as well. They're learning more about it. They're learning how to race with Acura and Cadillac. Acura and Cadillac both helped Porsche to this win realistically, especially Cadillac monumentally messing up. Porsche, however, did... They called their strategy right and their car was close enough on pace that they could make that work for them. But you have said this is kind of a Porsche-style race win. That they just basically did everything correctly. That was more of Audi's thing. Porsche. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well, Penske Porsche. MO was. I didn't watch much LMS at the time, unfortunately. I, I'm thinking more international level Porsche, where right. they basically just had a million customer teams and overwhelmed everyone else. <laughs> That was Group C. Speaking oh. of which, JDC Miller have also received their ah, the... stream will be out at the next round at Laguna Seca. Is that the bright yellow one? It is indeed. Yeah. The one where we had an LMP3 at Daytona saying my other car is a Porsche on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for once, that sticker was actually funny. Well, yes. <laughs> um, the back, back with the old RS Spider Penske Porsche, that was basically a car of like get in the car, drive as fast as you can, and you'll probably survive. The car probably won't break down, and you might be close to the front. Um, is that a similar mentality with the current Penske's? Well, they, they had problems at Daytona, didn't they? But, I mean, Sebring, I don't necessarily remember. I didn't see much of the IMSA race, to be honest. No, but... Porsche at Sebring were so, so close to a victory. As for Acura, to be fair, and what happened was they tripped each other up in traffic and took three cars out of the race which side note a weird part of me is somewhat glad that the second porsche got involved in that it's not because i want to see crashes or anything like that otherwise i think there would have been a million conspiracies about <laughs> one porsche crashing out the acura the fact that both porsches went out kind of put to bed i think any conspiracies there at least mm. and in the glass closing couple of seconds obviously as you said al lexus did win in gtd 
Um, and I know yeah, Chris... so we had Porsche, Lexus, and BMW as our class winners. Yes, and uh, well, that's not, and actually, not bad, is yeah, it? Yeah, uh, both the GTD classes, we had three different makes on the podium. And a total of five different makes across the six GTD podium slots. So, hmm. nice and varied. And not a Mercedes winning. Yes, which is always which good. Makes, yeah, it's... A bit of a change in GT3. Mercedes are normally there or thereabouts. Don't get me wrong. They make a fantastic GT3 car. Yes. It's nice to let someone else have a turn. I haven't seen much mm. of the Ferrari 296 yet, but uh, anyway. Early days. Early yes. Days. Anyway, that's it for April's edition of this month for Motorsports. Thank you to both Al and Sam for joining me. Always a pleasure. That's a bit, bit it was something. Well, yeah. I mean, that was what I was going to say. This, this, yes. You've, you've flummoxed me there, Sam. Um, what have we come up? What have we got next month? What's coming up? May. Yes, the month of May. Indy yeah. 500! <laughs> yes. And we also have four Formula One races in five weeks. Um, Are any of them good? <laughs> Actually, it's not a bad lineup. Um, I, I, oh, depends on what you like. But last, yeah. my, my closing line for, for the show is that I can, I can miss the sprint races. For Baku, yay! I don't need to watch them anymore. But uh, <laughs> this is good. Um, but anyway, follow us on social media at Stelvio Auto. We'll be back soon enough with something for you to listen to. So stay tuned. Uh, take care and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>